Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Andreas, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. Thanks. My pleasure being with you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Who do you work for? And what do you do? So uh, my name is Andreas Westendorf and I'm the Chief Technology Officer of Emma, the sleep company. I've been uh, with Emma uh, for a little bit more than three years as a CTO. And uh, before that, I was CTO and Managing Director of a property technology, a prop tech company in, in embedded in a larger real estate company and before that i was in zelando with like in the online fashion space and before that almost 10 years as a technical consultant and a management consultant but essentially and yeah by enthusiasm and by background i'm a software engineer that happens to, to be a yeah technology leader these days fantastic that's an interesting journey andreas all the way through your journey into bed Emma is a bed company, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. So uh, Emma is an e-commerce company that has very strong uh, portfolio of uh, products that we are uh, improving the sleep of our customers uh, with basically uh, uh, every single night um, and getting those uh, uh, yes, uh, to deliver to our customers is uh, a, a priority to us, but also um, and even uh, beyond uh, like the pure e-commerce play, Emma is a place where we really take sleep seriously. And um, we even have a team of sleep scientists, so uh, uh, neurobiologists uh, working and researching about sleep and uh, making sure that the products that we create and that we sell to our customers are actually the best in the market and are um, indeed uh, improving people's sleep. Excellent. Good, good. I'll have to look them out. Some help with my sleep as well. And I also read that you're involved in this organization called MAC. The MAC Alliance. Yes, indeed. So basically, as uh, the MAC Alliance is a industry uh, association um, that was founded a couple of years back, and I think it was in 2020, about bringing the technical principles of microservices, API first, cloud native and headless, so M-A-C-H, to e-commerce. And while the concepts themselves are not necessarily new or groundbreaking in any way, because those have been away, uh, been, been around for, for decades, as a software engineer, I'm happy that those finally enter the area of, of e-commerce and make those old solutions that were used since the late 90s and early 2000s obsolete and replace them by software that is main, better maintainable, better scalable and uh, also more flexible to rip and re replace. Yeah, fantastic. I get the actual purpose of the organization and what we spoke of. We spoke a bit about this offline. So why do you think it's important, the, the stuff that Mac does, the Mac Alliance does, what from a tech leadership perspective is good to know? Well, the Mac Alliance brings the topic of good architecture, of go uh, good software engineering and of technology product management to the boardroom. That is important. These days, a business cannot 
ignored the like the areas of their reliance and um, fundamental operating system in, in uh, using technology anymore. So it is not, it should not be considered that IT that sits, uh, sits in the basement and just needs to do its job so business can thrive. But these days, and I, I, I certainly experience also in, 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 in the industry that uh, more and more businesses are actually understanding that technology is not only that uh, uh, reactive cost center anymore, but it's actually the way how to find and exploit new revenue streams. And that um, technology is, is not supporting or enabling or empowering business anymore. It is business. Mm. For me, that is the, the key and essential change that we've seen in the last decade where even you see it in the in, in the wording the even the, the wording changed from from it from information technology to tech tech is the new thing tech is the thing that 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 really engages with customers that really fulfills business viability or or becomes makes the, the thing business viable and and really takes care that things that uh, products can be uh, maintained and operated also long term and are not accumulating too much technical debt over time. So it is it is essentially bringing technology finally to the place where it is considered business and it's not considered like an afterthought anymore. Absolutely. And I've spoken to various tech leaders around this and most of the ones I've spoken to they are integral in the businesses, you know, the tech, they are leading actually the businesses themselves in many, in many respects. Do you think the problem is still pretty prevalent out there? I, I've seen that too, too many times still. Um, the, the discussions revolve around uh, co cost and sourcing. And um, there's, there's really fundamental misconceptions about how software works. Um, a lot of times we use metaphors like building a house or building a car and these are just not non-fitting uh, metaphors because when you build a house, like in the real world, these problems, they have limitations in terms of complexity. Mm -hmm. So when you build a house and you excavate uh, the ground, then, then you hit a stone and maybe it takes double the time to remove the stone. But in software, when you hit a big, uh, like a, a technology boundary, it can take, I don't know, double, triple, 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times the amount of work or is even not solvable. That can happen in software. Also, another uh, misconception is software um, is like uh, you, you're working on this and that project. Once that is finished, the same people should do something else. Software is never finished. Software is finished when you turn it off. Um, <laughs> so essentially, this is a living thing. And the, uh, the, the, the process that creates software is not a construction or a production uh, process. It is a design process. And it is actually very irrelevant who... Um, and, and metaphorically speaking, uh, that turns that screw. So it's not uh, often enough. People are like engineers are being called resources, and 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 then you take two resources of that uh, project and put it on that project, if, and 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 what's the impact of that? And can we get it in half the time then? And it, it doesn't work that way. It's like software is fundamentally different than this, like things that it is compared to in the real world. And it is important to understand that and this kind of empathy from non-technical areas towards technology, I think, I believe this is our, and, and this is kind of my mission is to create that empathy. And it's actually also both sided because I saw too many times also that technologists also like the corner that they are put in. 
they mm. kind of get very comfortable sitting in that corner and being asked for stuff that they and only they can deliver. So um, also here there's change necessary because when technology shall make an impact to a business, it is imperative to understand what the business actually needs. And this also needs empathy from the engineers, from, from the tech people. Uh, otherwise, they will not understand the problem. And we've seen in the past often enough how well-intended solutions of engineers ended up solving the wrong problem and being of no value after all. This is why Agile came along. So essentially, there's, there's, there's a lot of empathy that needs to be built from both sides. And uh, I believe this, and, and this is what I'm, what I'm passionate about. This is why I love do, doing this job is uh, to, to, to see those problems and bring people together. And we have all those, uh, not only brilliant technology today, but we have also those excellent tools and methodologies to work together. And if you use those in a lean way, you can get things done pretty swiftly. And it's not always like uh, waiting for the sprint in, in, in July or the sprint next, uh, I don't know, where, where we deliver something that you need. It is actually something very manageable if you are not dogmatic about the like uh, frameworks you use, but are stringent and aligned on the goals that you want to achieve. Yeah. So my curiosity around this, because I think this is a really important topic, First of all, delivering what's actually needed out there, not delivering what you think is needed out there. I think I totally agree with you. I've had m many experiences working with teams where that has been the case. How do you solve it? What's your approach to make sure that you do get that alignment and engineers do understand that we're working on a real problem that's going to create a real outcome in the real world? A good amount of it is a learning. It is learning of uh, everybody involved. And um, the way you learn fastest is getting yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm. So what I've uh, I've seen in the past is that best results and the strongest learnings of individuals we had on certain projects, initiatives, or, in a pro in, or on product development is if they go out and try to understand firsthand from their customers, from their stakeholders, what is needed and what uh, and, and how these things work. A software engineer might not code for three months, but go on requirements gathering and collection. And some of them will say, no, that's not my job. I'm here to code. But this is the wrong mindset. In my, uh, and that's on, like this functional siloed mindset is not the one that will create the 10x results. And this is exactly, I think, those people that can really excel and can really jump leapfrog ahead um, in, in, in productivity, but also in business results are the ones that are uh, showing empathy, are not dogmatic, are not becoming, or are not uh, very ego-driven and uh, actually empathize with their counterparts and understand both sides here, right? So also mm. the business empathizing with the complexities of software and, and, and trying to understand and not blocking. Um, uh, this is technology. I don't need to understand this. We have people for that. But really trying to understand, uh, like from both perspectives, the uh, the other side, and then having those people working, and that's where basically our our job as as or um, our function as management and leadership comes in, creating structures where these these effects can occur on a daily basis, yes. like creating team structures, topologies, creating uh, collaboration models where this can happen, and going away from this very functional uh, setup that we had in the past. 
I totally agree that techies need to understand the business more. Okay, we've had that conversation offline, and you can mention it here. And also business understanding techies, because I think there is a the wrong image around what it takes to d- develop software. It's really complex stuff, and it can get very complicated very quickly. And and I've always found it interesting how how we. I guess, train management and leadership that aren't techies to understand the complexities and the challenges that we have. You kind of made the analogy of a big rock that they suddenly find in the ground when you're building a house. It's it's not simply just kind of picking it out. Sometimes it is literally a blocker. It is like, that's not where we're going that way. So any advice as to how you can get leadership to be more appreciative of the complexities of the tech world? Make it understandable for them. Um, Try to not sell but make trans create transparency about this it is i mean if you have a trusted relationship with your with your peers on that level then um they should also understand that uh, or or accept be able to accept that in um, software development and tech product management there is a high degree of unknown unknowns and the way we deal with this is using applying Agile methodologies to uh, make unknown unknowns, known unknowns, and known unknowns, trivial facts or trivial. So decrease the amount of uncertainty and of complexity while you work on it. What you cannot expect techies to do to extrapolate this uh, and, and have foresight over 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, that's not ha- that, that, that's impossible because that's not ha- uh, this this. It, this is a process and you create a certain ho- t- like planning horizon and that is hopefully somewhere between six and 12 months. But you like uh, going beyond that is actually a lot, a lot of guesswork. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the, the certainty decreases dramatically also, not linearly. So um, what you can create and what you need to do is create a or have a rela- relationship on the leadership level that appreciates the function that understands what they can ask and demand and where they also can contribute and what not that's the important part Um, and to a certain extent uh, demanding commitment for things that are unknown is just a waste of time yeah we can we can think about we have ideas about the future but to demand certainty on of so complex things is just waste of waste of everybody's time so create transparency about that about what you're working on what you're working on next and the findings that you have along the way mm-hmm. and also it's it's not always because this might kind of sound like a bitter pill for like the non-tech functions of a company but all, also a lot of times and i've seen that just recently again progress is also uh, becomes non-linear in a good way uh, so sometimes progress stagnates for very long and then exponentially you're hitting hitting the bar and you're achieving your goal. And this is something that happens in, in technology more often than, than you would think. So yes, there's a lot of groundwork to cover, but the last 5% are not the hardest one, but the fastest one. Or the last, even not 5%, but 25% or even, even more. We recently saw that in, in the project where we were working on basically all the fundamentals to be built for a year. And then in the course of just weeks, we finished off what our actually our stakeholders would have thought would take another five months. And and, and so you can also give, make nice surprises. And uh, sometimes you, and you need to shed some light on that and make it transparent. These non-linear 
behavior in technology projects, but also product development is important to explain. Yes, absolutely. I was smiling then as you were describing that because I've myself been involved in projects where we spent a lot of time upfront investing on, on some of the topics that you described actually in the Mac Alliance, you know, good APIs, good separates, good abstractions and, yep. and good architecture. And um, that investment then turned into a very adaptable approach going forward and very quick deliveries. So absolutely, I think it's, I encourage the audience to kind of take a look at the Mac Alliance and what it's about. I obviously reach out to you for, for advice if there's any, any topics that they've got questions around. But this is brilliant. I, I, love, I love your description about how we can get other business functions to understand what, what us techies are about and, uh, and some of the challenges we have on there. So Andreas, okay, I'm really fascinated also with the way in which companies are structured and the organizational setup and how that creates either a success or a hindrance to creating certain tech approaches. What would you like to say on that topic? Well, I think it's very important that you cannot see a tech organization or uh, any organization of that of uh, specialists and experts um isolated from the technology they're building and the architecture that, that they're building there's actually there was a very there's a very interesting theory and it's called uh, conway's law that is essentially covering the interdependencies of organizational systems and technical systems and how they uh, interact with each other and uh, what uh, through research was was proven that however uh, you design uh, your organizational team for, or your or your or organigram, so to say, or in, in your team setup, you will find the, 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 those same interfaces between teams and, and people in your software. This is where interfaces are being wow. created. And also like also vice versa, the way you do, you build your software, also the team's dynamics are playing out. So it's very important to understand that these are actually not isolated systems. These are very well interconnected ones. And it's important that uh, to understand uh, that how you set up um, your team and your teams and your organization is actually influencing your, your software architecture. Um, there's, there's a very powerful methodology these days and it's uh, was coined by marty kagan of the silicon valley product group that is uh, the technology product management methodology that that marty describes in his books and or as uh, vpg uh, describes in their books inspired and empowered it is very much about creating teams that are interdisciplinary, that have all the capabilities inside of them that to, to be able to discover and deliver, that have access to their users and, and customers, as well as their stakeholders, as well as their like all the capabilities they need to deliver. And they those are the teams that actually create the best and the uh, products that we all use that are dominant right now. I mean, you can think of the uh, Netflixes and Spotify's of the world. And this is exactly how these products are made. But it is essential uh, to, to use such a setup to decrease the waiting states of those teams. And uh, people waiting on each other is the most uh, deficient and dysfunctional thing that you can have in a company. And what I see too often is that we uh, try to rally people around around functions and and and. Uh, like skills rather than a common goal. Mm. 
And, and that is what, yeah, this tech product management describes and what I also found super helpful as a new model to integrate and yeah, what is called empowered product teams these days. And, and, and this comes very, very well also together then with, with this idea of uh, Conway's law, because the way that you build then uh, the teams is also uh, creating very, very solid and very like decoupled software architecture that again is following principles, for example, that that we have, for example, in the Mach Alliance. So it all like comes together pri uh, quite nicely. Yeah. You can maybe I'm, I'm sounding a little bit too enthusiastic about the topic, <laughs> but it's, I mean, this is why I love my job. This is because it all makes sense now. Mm. Go away from that feature factories. We go away from treating people as, as resources. We go away from all those misconceptions. If you have ever written software, you don't want to be considered a, like a like a, somebody who d doesn't think, but just like translates natural language into code. That's there's a there's creativity in this job, yes. and lots of it. And yes, I I already or I heard already like yeah, but Chat, chat GPT and large language models can do that. Well, they can create code. Can they create great code? Not yet. Can they? And and also novel solutions hard for them. It's they're they're brilliant in in uh, guessing the next the next letter, the next character, the next uh, word, or the next piece of code. Yes, but also they will replicate all the the mistakes that have they have been trained on. Mm. In that sense, I'm just uh, trying to to create understanding and to somehow be a translator between the worlds mm. here. Uh, to to create a better uh, environment to create software. Brilliant. A fascinating topic. I'd love to dig deeper into it because I think you're absolutely right. The way we set up our organizations has a, a direct impact to how we approach the solution that we're creating. And um, yeah, maybe we can do another podcast on that, the whole kind of Conway's law and exploring that deeper. I've heard of it myself, but I don't think organizations look at this stuff they kind of see them as soft topics or interesting topics but actually they're really impactful they have a huge impact on the outcomes that come about so so andreas i'm going to ask you some i'm going to put the spotlight back on you now as the individual as the tech leader okay we've had some great interesting topics around some of the work that you do but how do you roll as a leader what's your style that's my style um well i deeply believe in intrinsic motivation and my, so uh, giving and and uh, again a good read uh, Daniel Pink's uh, Motivation 3.0 um, the the book Drive great book, great book. and I, I try to actually create an environment where uh, intrinsic motivation can 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 thrive so to give people autonomy give people space for for mastery um, give give people a a shared purpose that they work towards with and and then let their creative process to do do the rest and 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 um yeah do their best work so that's that my goal is creating a space that can actually foster this mm. i still also i mean as a software engineer as an architect i have also like opinions on 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 certain uh, like designs i also saw trends come like uh, coming and goings and uh, and and uh, I like to be part of that conversation. So I'm not only like a like facilitator and, and, and conductor. I also want to uh, give guidance on, on such topics and um, that I that I find important. These are more on the architectural side of things, because 
these things end up to be yeah either blockers or or enhances of business because again we're not doing technology for technology's sake we're doing it for a uh, a bigger purpose for a a and most of the cases for a business so we want uh, to to reach the, those business goals and we cannot shy away from making the goals of the business our goals and technology that is that is important and i've got a follow on question here about you and some of the challenges you actually face in your day-to-day work what's the things that keep you up at night andreas yeah well i mean those topics change over time what i've seen in the past what kept me awake at night and sometimes working at night is if uh, you sit on on technology that for too long and you are not able to address it correctly then you are sitting on that uh time bomb uh, like constantly and you, you don't get a real good sleep then and and and, and too often also need to uh, get up and uh, yeah, rally some people to fix it, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's something, operational risk is something that you don't want to have. That's just yeah, causing bad sleep. If you're beyond that and you have established something like a, a solid foundation that your business relies on, then you can think about the more, and these are more the more pleasant nights where you still think but you're not worried and and then what, what keeps you awake at night is how can i actually make an impact and how can i uh, create some some business value in the in the easiest way possible and these sometimes are just i mean one of the learnings is sometimes some rapid ex- uh, experimentation is just worth it you don't need to make every single change and exercise of academia and and go through all that uh, all that uh, thorough um, frameworks of of validation. Sometimes a, a simple one-off experiment is absolutely worth it, and might give you an indication if that is a, a an idea to follow. And coming back to the topic we had earlier on, how do you go about persuading the business that this is stuff that we need to spend some time on? Because I guess technical debt sounds very technical. And um, business people don't understand it. You know, they think, well, what, what do you mean that we need to go back? In, in that conversations, I try to avoid tech, like the term technical debt. While it was Good. a great metaphor, like years ago, it's being used for too many things these yeah. days. And I'd rather now try to explain, because there's different understandings of it. Some people understand, outside of tech, understand technical debt as something, as something that if it's not solved, it's breaking. This is uh, uh, some, some understand it as some unnecessary. Uh, the engineers want to do something super nice and want to uh, want to put some I don't know sprinkles on the on on the cake, and and there's very different understandings of that. So rather let's let's try to omit that. Let's let's go and talk about the impact of that. What is the actual? So we have technical debt. Will it block us to scale? Will it block us? to create further improvements? Is this somehow affecting our ability to integrate? What is actually the business impact of that? Mm. And when you have those discussions, I feel like creating such clarity and transparency about the the implications of that is actually not only helping the business, but actually yourself. Mm. Because again, you connect better, helps you to connect better to the business purpose and actually what is needed to do business. Yeah, fantastic. So as we come to the closing arc of our time together, unfortunately, Andreas, I've got some nice warm questions for you. What advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders out there that are listening to this podcast uh, based on your journey? And what would you do differently and advise them to maybe do themselves? 
the probably the most important thing is build empathy. Build empathy from all from both sides. Uh, encourage your your stakeholders, your peers, to build empathy for technology. Explain, educate, evangelize, and but on the other hand, it's not only them that need to change. You need to change as well. Unlearn behavior from the past. Build empathy for the business. Be interested in your business. You're not in like if you're serving internal customers. Think again. Are you, or are you actually building stuff that serves real customers, people, and and get as close to those as you can? So that is like a like an, an important lesson I I learned in the past and or I learned in the last couple of years and that I found find super uh, super important because also uh, we're not being educated and taught this way. Um, most organizations still. Uh, create this us and them or have a strong us and, and them mentality and and create uh, internal frictions and internal uh, uh, borders and, and chasms that are unnecessary and that actually hurt hurt your organization. So build empathy is my advice. And one thing that I uh, should have like maybe turned my attention to earlier or that is the confession <laughs> is that be Although you're technical, although you're a techie, you have also great responsibility over over the people and the costs that are created. Tech usually is the highest cost unit within any company, mm. and you you you're carrying big responsibility there. One thing that uh, I definitely saw a lot of value from is having my own tech controlling team. Mm. Having a team that uh, understands the the characteristics and uh, also the yeah sometimes odd discussions you have you you have in, in in tech and can can basically transfer that to the finance world. That is an important thing because otherwise you end up with this um, again uh, discussions that you don't want to have because there's too little empathy from from uh, connecting uh, those sides uh, together. So. If you're a tech leader, be sure to be on top of your numbers and um, have people help you with it. Yes, them. I love that. I love this idea of co-leading, collaborating, because you can't see all the blind spots. So following on then from this advice to our tech leader audience out there, especially sparring ones, any books that have helped you along your journey or any films or any other artifacts? Well, um, podcasts are good. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> podcasts, tech blogs. Um, this is how we learn today. Yeah. Forget about certifications. Forget about these things of the past where you uh, went through one week of certification and uh, came back with something to hang on the wall, but uh, methods that you would never apply. So tech blogs, podcasts, visit conferences, exchange with peers. Many of the best yeah, recommendations and suggestions I received was in CTO communities. So non like communities where people with the same interests as you gather, but where where there's no sales incentive of anybody to sell you something. I'm a member of uh, one that is hosted here in Hamburg, Germany by, by Tobias Schlotke, this, that is uh, the Alpha List. It's like a couple of hundred, like five, six hundred uh, CTOs. And it's, it's a Slack space and you have a question you ask and you get not only brilliant answers in very short time, Nobody's selling you anything, but also sometimes people would jump on a call with you and discuss because they're interested in the topic. Mm. No, no other interest. 
no strings attached. And that's just, that's super impactful. And, and as a tech leader, having such a network where you can ask also difficult questions, sometimes also about people leadership, is, is important to have. If it is about books and what to read, I mean, I already mentioned uh, Marty Kagan, Silicon Valley Product Group, the books of Inspired and Empowered, Daniel Pink, Drive, yeah. what else? Build was the reason when I read. I mean, this, these are kind of the most important ones. Yeah, and um, reading and um, and uh, this reading and listening is basically how you develop yourself, how you uh, thrive in this industry this day. And this is why I love this industry. Mm-hmm. We're so open about all our learnings and all the tech blocks. They they publicize their they are postmortems to an extent. They bring stuff out that are that is super impactful for everybody. Sorry. And this is this this idea of open sourcing your your experiences is just I mean, this is perfect. Being a techie myself, I get that. I get this openness and ability to want to learn. We're always adapting. We're and it's a complex space. So we I think we need that support from each other and we need to be more open to offering it and receiving it. So here we go, Andreas. I'm gonna offer you a wish from the tech genie. Okay. The tech genie is here in the space and he's offering you a wish. What would you wish for for your industry, for your leadership, for your people? I would wish for a world where everybody is a techie where everybody embraces technology and we teach our children early how to use technology but also how it's built i mean i find it so fascinating all that technology we use today we take it for granted but it's like the the inventions that are in it are just so insane and sometimes i look i don't know i go on youtube and look at uh, early computer engineering stuff uh, from the 60s or or, or 70s, I don't know, NASA uh, uh, probes that were sent to space or, space or how the Pioneer uh, probes function. And I think like, this is so insane how they, how smart minds uh, circ- uh, circumvented the limitations of hardware at that time. And w- there's just so much, everybody can, these days, everybody can be an inventor. You don't need to be at NASA anymore. So op- options are limitless. If I, if I can... If I would uh, be granted a wish from the tech genie, it is for everybody to embrace technology. Also, because we have really big problems to, that we're facing, right? We need we need to embrace this because we need it to save ourselves and the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the future generation generations will have that problem, so we cannot even even worse than we do today. So we cannot have them inspire them using technology to create a better world soon enough fantastic love it great wish and i totally get where you're coming from and and it's interesting actually technology industry seems to be moving towards enabling that actually so kind of the wish is coming true with the no code kind of solutions and uh, you know all this kind of app dynamics and you know uh, being able to not have to be a kind of full-on software engineer to actually solve problems within the technology space so yeah i'm going to work on that for you as a tech genie we're on it. Okay. It's happening. Great. And so as we come to the final full stop of the podcast, Andreas, what's your key takeaway that you'd like to leave the audience, our aspiring tech leaders and tech leaders already, what would you offer them? Build empathy and seek mentoring. Mentors love to mentor. Mentees love to be mentored. This is just, I don't know, it's never one-sided. It's always bilateral. I'm doing some pe- uh, mentoring myself uh, for uh, for startups or also for individuals. You can find me on adplist.org. Uh, 
it's it's so so refreshing and it's so energizing to speak to, uh, with people to ping pong ideas with people and it's never only to the benefit of the one side so it's always like the, the i always get also something from it and and it's i find it inspiring and it's fun brilliant excellent what a great note to finish on thank you for your time andreas it's been great having you on cto confessions thank you it was my pleasure and finally Remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.